at the beginning, people told us that a lot of what we wanted to do was impossible, that people in our community were too conservative to even want to talk to people like us. Um, but we pretty much proved that wrong like the first time we ever went canvassing. They were so excited to see us <laughs> because we reminded them of their kids and it made them happy to see young people actually involved and care about the community. So it only took a couple months for us to be like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> you just got to try and be genuine. Orange County grant makers and Past Forward present Adjust Accordingly, Placing Equity into Practice, a series of discussions about how inequity is experienced in life and work, and how industries, organizations, and people are working to move equity forward. This series was produced with support from the Orange County Community Foundation. In this episode, we connect with Tracy Law, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Viet Rise. Orange County is home to one of the largest populations of Vietnamese immigrants in the nation. Viet Rise works to organize for social justice and equity in their community, across generations and across cultural divides to create solidarity. Tracy shares what inspired the creation of Viet Rise, the partnerships with other immigrant-focused organizations, and where she hopes to see Viet Rise grow and expand in the future. Tracy Law advocates for her community because no one was before her. She saw the need and she stepped in, helping to create Viet Rise. So let's start at the beginning. And uh, why don't you share what inspired you or, or prompted you to launch Viet Rise? Um, this is a story that actually has many different beginning points, which I think makes it more powerful because there's so many people that wanted an organization in Orange County that organized working class Vietnamese people for a very long time. But it, it wasn't until literally the election of Trump that kind of, I think, took people into a big shock um, about, and the fact that a lot of Vietnamese people in Orange County voted for him as well. It didn't make sense to a lot of people in the community because he represented things and perspectives and views that didn't really align with the lived realities of uh, what our community was facing, you know, like uh, poverty and uh, economic inequality and um, deportations. Um, and that was a really big one for his election. Um, but for myself, um, I had actually volunteered my first ever campaign when I was in, 2004, uh, in 2014. And I just wanted to know what it was like to go out there and go in the field and talk to people but I was assigned to talk to um, mostly Vietnamese voters. So it was my first time really talking to people at their house, right, directly to them. And it was the lowest voter turnout in, since like the Great Depression. And I think that really got to me because there are so many things that were happening that election and I felt like people need to have um, the education, knowledge, skills, tools to have a say in the things that impact them. and. Uh, a lot of people don't know who their elected officials are or, you know, um, which policies make their lives easier or not. And I was a college student at that time, so I joined a student government. Um, and then I um, got really involved in my commission to register students to vote and provide voter education. And then I ran for student body president. Um, and so that was the 2016 election. Um, and so we registered like 6,000 students directly that year. And as part of like the efforts to also build political education for them and voter education and get them interested in this process. After that, I organized with a, a mostly Korean group in Orange County um, through another nonprofit. 
And it really, it didn't make sense to me why there wasn't a group like this for Vietnamese people. So the opportunity came, we kind of like converged, like there were two different paths, me going where I did, and then um, other community members that had been conducting surveys, focus groups, trying to start and find someone that would be willing to start a project like this. And that ended up being me. So in, in, since the inception of Viet Rise, uh, talk a little bit about the work that you've done and, and what the organization has accomplished. Uh, so we've been, this is our fifth year anniversary, actually. So it's been really exciting. Our work has been focused on organizing and building leadership in working class Vietnamese communities. So not just young people, but seniors as well. Um, we've worked on policy and advocacy campaigns that are mostly focused on immigrant justice, housing justice, and economic justice. And in 2021, we uh, were some of the leading group, one of the leading groups that got rent control passed in Santa Ana. And this was huge for our community because uh, Vietnamese seniors are trying to do that in Westminster in 2019, and we supported them, but it didn't work out. We were successful um, in 2021. We've also worked on uh, what we call cultural change work, which is really just like education and getting people to see, uh, kind of change their beliefs and values toward how they think another person in their community should be perceived. So like, um, some of the campaigns we worked on include uh, deportation defense and preventing the deportation of Vietnamese refugees. And in 2020, actually, we were successful in getting the, securing the freedom of a community member that was unjustly indefinitely detained by ICE. Um, although he's supposed to be released from prison. And he's now one of our staff members leading that very same work. Wow. I want to talk about uh, some of the the generational uh, shifts that have happened in the over two decades since uh, the mass immigration and relocation of Vietnamese to, to Orange County and other parts of, of the United States. In that time, I mean, a lot shifts. Um, but in that time, in the kind of Americanization of this, the second and third generation. Is there a waning of uh, cultural practices and beliefs uh, or, or involvement of younger generation in the community? Mm, not in Orange County. <laughs> Orange County is like the capital of the diaspora. That's what we call it. Um, but I think a lot of the activities that involve young people around Vietnamese culture has really been about service or just um, carrying out parts of the culture, which, you know, dances, lion dances, um, whatever. But we feel like it's, we want young people to not just do service because it looks good, but because they really want to change the roots of why a community member or someone might be facing poverty. So getting deeper into it and also why, where these holidays come from in the first place, what's the real meaning of it? Um, and the, in Vietnam, how do they celebrate that, which is Lunar New Year? And that's about coming home and the Mid-Autumn Festival. So I, every year I see the same, I think, amount of people, young people that come out and do these kind of service work. But uh, I've been seeing also more young people come out to an organization that wants to learn more about, like go a little bit deeper into the historical context and um, how they can take it, the, the advocacy or service work they do to the next level. Yeah, I wanted to, we were a couple of days away from Tut, um, mm -hmm. and um, I want you to talk about how important it is to keep those cultural traditions and heritage alive um, and to, to 
to spread those traditions to new generations and 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 keep it alive um and and not let it just kind of be you know washed out in in the americanization mm-hmm. yeah actually one of my biggest fears is losing like my language and my culture and where my family came from so it's incredibly important because part of what builds confidence um, and self-empowerment in people is just knowing where they come from or knowing where the community comes from or what has um, kind of led, what are the things in different moments in history that led up to where they are now? Um, and it's a way for them to connect with their family or other people in the community. I, there is a growing number of younger people who can't speak Vietnamese. Um, largely because there's not really a lot of services or language services that provide that kind of tutoring. And the language has changed so drastically in Vietnam that the dialect that we talk, that we use here is very different from the dialect um, that's currently being taught professionally or being used in Vietnam. And I I see like the pain and the um, kind of disappointment and shame in young people who can't speak it but want to. Um, There's a lot of us that can't ask our parents, you know, what it was like growing up or what it was like during the war because we can't speak the language and that um, doesn't allow us to connect with our parents or family the way we want to because we can't speak the language. So that's what we do with our eyes. We try to make language lessons as part of every program we do. But yeah, it's it's critical and absolutely necessary and needs to be more invested in. How important is it to, you? you mentioned this a little bit, but as you're reaching out to the younger generation, how important is it to bring that first generation um, and that uh, older generation uh, into the fold and and into the work that you're doing at Via Rise? Very much so, actually. The the two community or generations that work at the most are younger and seniors, sixty and up. Yeah, it's um, it's incredibly important. They are some of the communities and people most deeply affected by the issue areas we focus on, like rent control, they were organizing for it for years before we ever even formed as an organization. Because a lot of enemy seniors live in mobile home parks and they let them fix income. Um, some of them have disabilities and they're getting priced out of their homes. And I remember a senior told me that it's not always disease that, or, you know, or health problems that like kill seniors, it's like mental health and being alone, you know? But anyway, so, when we started it rise i knew like we were we can't just focus on young people it has to be an intergenerational effort um we started with young people because they were the ones that we see change the minds and hearts of the older people in their families i saw it in my family every all of our you know, our team saw that um but then it was seniors i think because of the level of respect that they have in our community that are really going to take it toward an idea or belief that it's more unified not that it's just it, you know, an idea or a value isn't just young people believe it, but actually seniors believe in it too, because they need it. Um, um, we actually did focus groups back in early 2022. And we did this with um, the other belongings to at UC Berkeley, and they had interviewed other um, communities of color and uh, using some very similar questions. And out of all the communities that were spoken with in those focus groups, uh, Vietnamese seniors are the ones that were more likely to say that they they can't wait to pass on the torch to the next generation. Like they really believe in the leadership of the next generation and want to, they want to nurture it. In exploring 
that that generational gap between that first and and now we're into the third generation um what is the difference in how they view this cross-cultural solidarity um i imagine and i may be wrong but i imagine that the older generation looks more towards just their own community where it's the younger generation that is more open to embrace uh, solidarity yeah definitely um in that very same focus group of research we did um it really was just conversations with people in our community that were older um they and everyone else every other community believes that a community other than theirs is way more unified than ours so we talked a lot about um us not being unified but these people need to be unified and they shared that they want to um build relationships with other communities but don't have enough spaces or places that can facilitate that relationship building or to bring people together in places that are not awkward um, but are genuine i think i actually see our people in our community practice solidarity more than they think more than we think actually because you see solidarity in, in the workplace um neighbors um Latino and Vietnamese neighbors live together and they give it, you know, they respect each other's culture and they um, they celebrate each other's culture or they, you know, honor it as well. And I don't think that's talked about enough because they're already practicing a lot more solidarity than maybe some young people are even. There is a desire to want to build that here. We know for sure in the communities that we work with, the Vietnamese communities, and we've been able to kind of see that in um, action, like during the rent control fight. Uh, it was Vietnamese, uh, Mexican, Latino, uh, white mobile home residents, um, renters that came together uh, to talk about, to do a push for this. And it, I think young people um, are told constantly like different definitions of what solidarity looks like. And so I think it can be confusing for them. And that's what we want to change also. Yeah, your, your website uh, highlights this term, cross-cultural solidarity and collective action. and uh and i know you've you've touched on it but but what are the directions that that viet rise uh moves to find solidarity in action so i gone to a point where i tell folks now that you can't it's not an abstract you can't think of it abstractly like you can't just not talk to someone from another community and say oh we're in solidarity with that community it's really one-on-one -on -one and direct um so we've meet or befriend or um, just come in contact for whatever reason, because we're advocating for the same issues or policies. And then we meet people from other communities. That's what happened in um, 2018 when we first started actually. Um, California had passed the sanctuary law and Trump was suing California for passing it. And local city councils were uh, joining that lawsuit and declaring that you know they don't believe in sanctuary. Um, and it was at the same time that deportations in the Vietnamese community was increasing, also because of Trump and Trump policy. And during these fights, we ended up going to city council and we came across um, Mexican and Latino immigrants that were fighting for uh, to, keep, to protect that sanctuary as a value. And we were there as well. And, you know, we talked and we with specific organizers and um, connected and realized that there were actually a lot more in common. Um, and that's the relationship that needs to constantly be nurtured and figured out and discussed we get, we'll never like get the point where we achieve it and it's done it's it's constant ongoing practice and it has to be i think with people you're in contact with often like in your community um or even online but 
I don't think it's correct to say like, okay, this community is clearly solidarity with this community because there's no, it's, we're not a monolith, no community is monolithic. And I think that's really where it starts. Building solidarity is looking at your neighbors and the people around you and seeing what it is that we need to do together or what is it that we don't understand about each other. And what happens when we do come together in solidarity for to, to make the community better? Are there specific organizations um, that you've partnered with and continue to partner with in this work? Yeah, absolutely. We um, started a partnership with the National Day Labor Organizing Network in 2018 and um, a group called the Harbor Institute for Economic Immigrant Economic Justice. And um, three of us as organizers launched a a campaign called Bring Him Rights Home in 2019. And that on top of being um, a call to action for elected officials to um, honestly not be hypocritical about commenting on human rights violations in other countries and really actually address it here when we're telling them that it's happening here as well. And this is in the context of immigration, but it's also a way, um, a campaign that is dedicated to bringing together um, Vietnamese, Mexican, Central American, uh, residents that live in the Central Orange County area. And so we've done, um, we did a really big festival in 2019, brought a few hundred people out and the festival brought music and art and culture organizations. And we like tied the music and the culture to what we were advocating for at the time, which was around sanctuary. And that's what we've been doing since. I think, you know, you, you talked about how your organization was launched in reaction to Trump and and the ultra conservative policies that were being passed, um, but Orange County is a historically conservative county. What are some of the challenges you face in in you know red maybe turning purple county uh, to a- accomplish what it is you're aiming for? Mm. Um, so that's like one of the stories that folks say was led to a good rise formation, the, you know, the reaction. But for me, when I joined, it was because I was like, why isn't there something like this? So um, at the beginning, people told us that a lot of what we wanted to do was impossible, that people in our community were too conservative to even want to talk to people like us. Um, but we pretty much proved that wrong, like the first time we ever went canvassing. They were so excited to see us <laughs> because we reminded them of their kids. and. It made them happy to see young people actually involved and care about the community. So, yeah, it only took a couple months for us to be like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> you just got to try and be genuine. Um, but to be honest, it actually hasn't been the most difficult for us because of that, like the conservatism. Um, we tried to um, have the deeper historical political context and why someone might be registered a certain way or the other. Um, we don't kind of lump a single person or label a single person see that as a monolithic identity based on whatever label they have because um a lot of the seniors that organize rent control in santa Ana are registered republican but they're the ones that got rent control passed which is a very progressive policy um so i think in the past there were organizations that try to do social justice work that um face backlash from older more conservative members of the community but we've never really had that directly toward us. We know people talk about it, but it's not really there. And as for elected officials, we've had instances where we've worked with elected officials that didn't seem to want to support the things that we were working on around immigrant justice and rent control, but they're seeing the changes in the community and what the priorities are. And they're also feeling, I think, the heat from 
people from multiple generations looking now into what they're doing and how effective they're being. So it hasn't really been too challenging. I mean, there's sometimes where like parents don't want their children to come out. That's kind of rare because they don't want them to be politically involved with organization like ours. Let's talk a little bit about the future and mm -hmm. where the next decade, where you envision uh, Viet Rise uh, moving to and, and accomplishing in that time period. Next 10 years, my dream hope would be we get our own building <laughs> that becomes a culture center and also um, social justice, pro like, you know, youth programs that can do all of that. Um, I mean, that's like the ideal for any nonprofit, but our organization, I think, we don't really have that space in Orange County in Little Saigon. There's no like community uh, center even for our community to come and connect for multiple generations. We have Fulut Hall, which is Asian Garden Mall. And usually it's like seniors that kind of sit around, but there's no place that really brings together young people, um, people in the middle, you know, and I want to hopefully one day create a space and build a space and have the funding for a space that is that and allows that. Or at the very least, we're, um, we play big roles in helping that get established across Little Saigon, whether or not it be our space. I've been seeing a lot more young Vietnamese men come participate in advocacy and organizing. That is not a common thing. Um, and that brings me a lot of hope because they have a space here. And I think a lot of times we've been, they feel like they don't. So I see that kind of leadership growing in our community. I see young women, young Vietnamese women also coming out and leading this organization, leading the programs we do, uh, continuing to work in multi-generational solidarity with our seniors and everyone between, as well as building more concrete uh, spaces and moments of multiracial solidarity with um, other communities, especially the Latino community, which is um, the other largest community in Orange County. So I see it's growing. I see it's continuing to do this work. I see more people coming in. I see more people, young people knowing Vietnamese, learning it because of our work as well. Well, I want to end with that. Um, but as I said before, we're a couple of days away from Tut. And I'd, I'd love for you to help me wish a happy new year <laughs> in Vietnamese. You pronounced that very well just now, by the way. <laughs> so, yes, great work. Um, so it's Chuk Mung. Chuk Mung. Chuk Mung. Chuk Mung. I'm going to. Yeah, God, honestly, that was good. Nam Mai. Chuk Mung Mai. Chuk Mung Nam Mai. Nam Mai. Chuk Mung Nam Mai. Um, disconnected. Nam mai. Chukman nam mai. Perfect. That was excellent. <laughs> was that the first time you said that? That is the first time I said. Great. You're doing great. <laughs> if you'd like to continue the conversation, visit beitrise.org to learn more, and visit Orange County Grant Makers at ocgrantmakers.org and the Orange County Community Foundation oc-cf.org To listen to more episodes and find books written by and recommended from our guests visit passforward.org or follow us on Apple Spotify or wherever you podcast Podcast